I'm Alicia. I'm Katie. And this is Crime Squared. What episode is this now? Six. Six? Oh, oh my gosh. That's so exciting. Yep. What a busy week for us. It, it is a busy week. We're doing three episodes this week. Oh, yes. Somebody's moving closer to me. I am very excited. I'm ready for it. Yeah. If if you can nice. tell by my already planned trip and you're not even in in the same state <laughs> that you're going to be living in yet. <laughs> I know. It'll be nice though, just a 6-hour drive instead of a whole flight there. An entire day of flying with a child. Seemed to be two children. Yeah. That's so crazy to It's honestly easier with a kid in a car. You just strap them in. You don't have to worry about luggage. You don't have to worry about anything else. You can just stop real quick if they have to pee. Mm-hmm. And if you plan it out right, they could be sleeping for half the time for their nap. <laughs> yeah. Heck yeah. That's why we're leaving super early in the morning. <laughs> yes. Coffee will be my life for three days. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> Imagine doing it without coffee. That would just be... That would be suicide. Yeah. With yeah. two kids. One of them is a baby still breastfeeding. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm very um grateful that Ariana's gonna be helping me in the car. And you guys have it all planned out already. How far you're gonna or I should say your husband has it planned out. <laughs> how far you're gonna drive. Driven that route a, a couple times, I think, to go out there and then to come back. And I think his parents did one time too, so yeah, I'm excited. Ariana's super excited to see everything on the way out there, like to drive through the mountains and all that. So she said she's not planning on sleeping very much because she wants to be able to see everything. I'm like, oh, yeah, uh, right. So she says. Yeah, I give her like an hour and she'll be out. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. She'll probably be out like the first day. I bet she'll be out most of the day. Yeah. And then maybe the second day. I'm already anticipating. Are we there yet? How much longer? Does she have a tablet or anything? She does, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So at least you can load that up with like games and movies and stuff. Yes, movies for sure. Except for all the stuff that she wants to watch now is like, I don't know, like she watches like Alexa and Katie. It's all, I don't know, like real life stuff, but like it's not a cartoon. Is what I like mean. a drama? Yeah, but it's too much drama. Like every show nowadays for kids has to be, oh boy, crazy this, like. No one can just have, like, a normal life. That's annoying. Yeah, so I don't appreciate that. And then, you know, girls are mean, so... <laughs> I'm just... I don't like those shows. I'm like, go back to watching cartoons if that's what you're going to watch. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, SpongeBob man. or Disney or something. And even Disney. That's still all girl, girls being in love with boys and just have a family day for a long time like we watched Beethoven when we were on the way to Florida last night and she loved that movie and she was like I don't want to watch that (laughs) they're getting younger and younger I was like there's a whole like the whole movie is all about a dog like and we love dogs like there's no way you won't like this movie and like 10 minutes and she goes oh my god it's such a good movie I'm like "Mm -hmm, (laughs) I know (laughs) all right all right do you want to go first? Sure. Okay. Mine is actually pretty short this week. So 
Okay. Mine's about the same, maybe a tiny bit shorter than last week. Okay. Sweet. Go for it. All right. So this week is Connecticut. One of the states we all forget about. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry if you live in Connecticut. But it is. Let's be honest. All right. So this story takes place in 2007. And trigger warnings for sexual assault and violence in this case. Oh, okay. And we are going to Cheshire, Connecticut. Cheshire? Cheshire, like the cat. Cheshire. But Cheshire, (laughs) Connecticut. (laughs) So on Sunday evening of July 7th, 2007, Jennifer Hawk Pettit, the mother, and Michaela Pettit, the 11-year-old daughter, were grocery shopping at a local stop-and-shop to pick up supplies for Michaela to cook dinner. While they were shopping, however, without them knowing, they were being watched by Joshua, I am going to butcher this name, Kamasarvesky? So we're just going to say Joshua for the rest of this. <laughs> because that name is longer than all three of mine put together. Oh, geez. Okay. Anyway, so they became watched by Joshua and he became interested in them. When it was time for the pets to leave... Joshua decided to follow them and see where they lived. Joshua then hatched a plan with his buddy, Stephen Hayes, to commit a home invasion and get this family for money. They planned to commit this home invasion under the cover of night, leave the family bound in their home, and not harm any of them. So originally they were just planning on getting money from the family, leaving them alone, and that's it. That was going to be the end of it. So shortly after this plan was hatched, they were going to do this that night. Stephen Hayes and Joshua exchanged a series of texts, which included from Stephen Hayes, I'm chomping at the bit to get started. Margarita soon. Well, don't we all? (laughs) And then he said, we still on? To which Joshua replied, yes. And Hayes said, how soon? Joshua replied, I'm putting the kids to bed. Hold your horses. And Hayes replied, dude, horses want to get loose. (laughs) 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 Their plan began to derail slightly when they broke into the home and found Dr. Pettit, the father, sleeping on the couch in the sunroom. The men were able to enter through the basement where they found a door unlocked. Next to the unlocked door was a baseball bat. This is his first weapon of choice. Joshua took the baseball bat into the sunroom where Dr. Pettit was sleeping and began to beat him four or five blows. Oh, geez. So much for not hurting anyone. Right. They're starting out strong with the hurting people. The plan went right out the window. Yep. I don't know which one of them decided that that was no longer a good plan, but now it is. Hayes and Joshua then used zip ties and rope to bind Dr. Pettit. One of the men said if he moves put two bullets in him but nowhere did i see that they were actually carrying a gun so i think it was just a scare tactic so the two daughters and the mother were all bound in their separate rooms as well after this they tied their wrists and ankles to and covered their heads with their pillowcases dr pettit was only tied up at this point they now took him in him to a support beam away from his family. Once all of the victims were restrained, the men began to search the house for money. 
the men did not find a sufficient amount of money to please them. They did, however, find a check register with $40,000 and decided that they wanted 15000 of it. Jeez. Footage shows Hayes buying $10 worth of gas from a local gas station on the surveillance camera that was put into cans taken from the Pettit's house. After this gas station trip, the men returned to the home where they took Mrs. Pettit to the bank to withdraw the money, the $15,000. While she was inside, she told the teller what was happening while withdrawing the money. And the manager of the bank was able to call the proper authorities while the transaction was taking place. So it didn't look suspicious. Mm -hmm. And the bank cameras were able to capture everything that was going on. The bank teller indicated. Let them withdraw that much money. Usually they question you about the large amounts. Well, I think that's why she told them. Yeah. So that she could get the amount and then they could call the authorities and then be able to track both her and the money. Team effort. Yeah. The bank teller said that the customer, Mrs. Pettit, said the invaders were being nice and that she believed they only wanted money. They just beat your head. She didn't know that. She hasn't seen him yet because he was taken down into the basement. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The police responded and set up a perimeter where the invaders could not see um, and in order to catch the suspects without them seeing the law enforcement officers. The stakes were starting to rise for the men and they decided to up their crimes. Joshua sexually... (laughs) No. Joshua sexually assaulted the 11-year-old Michaela and Hayes sexually assaulted um, the mom, Mrs. Pettit, upstairs. But Dr. Pettit was still able to hear what was going on. So he heard his wife being raped. And he also heard Hayes say to her, don't worry, it's all going to be over in a couple of minutes. Which if you have to say that to your victim, you somewhere in your brain are like, okay, hurry up. I need to get out of here. Mm -hmm. When Dr. Pettit heard this encounter, he got a giant adrenaline rush and thought to himself, it is now or never or they're going to shoot us all. So he still thinks that they have a gun, even though it's never mentioned. Yeah. Um, after he had finished, after he finished assaulting the wife, Hayes went to check on Dr. Pettit only to find him missing from the basement where he was originally tied up. Nice. Hayes then ran in and told Joshua that he had escaped while still raping the wife. So he finished up and the men then set out to complete their job. The men doused the bodies of all three women. There was an older sister, too, in the house. And they doused the entire house in gasoline and set fire to it. Oh, no. The gas cans were found in the girls' room where Michaela was found half off the bed and half off the bed. So she was still tied to it, but she was trying to get away. Mm -hmm. She suffered extreme burns to her body but it was unknown if they happened while she was still alive or after death. Haley was the older sister who was 18. The older sister didn't get raped or anything? Mm -mm. She was just tied up. Haley, who was 18 years old at the time, um, was found in the hallway with the same injuries. So she was able to get loose from the ties that they tied her up to the bedposts. Mm -hmm. 
and she was found in the hallway with the same injuries, but also unsure if they happened pre or post-mortem. Both of the sisters died of smoke inhalation. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Pettit stated he was able to escape. Instead of going to help his family, he fled after freeing himself and was able to make it to the neighbor's yard for help. The neighbor said upon first glance at Dr. Pettit that Dr. Pettit was unrecognizable due to his injury. So basically like his head was so badly bashed Ooh. in. Holy cow. Which I'm pretty sure if this were to happen like in our household, I don't think Mike would go to the neighbors. I think he would come and try to help us. Yeah. To try and get us away, not escape and Mike save myself. Yeah. yeah. That is kind of sucking. It's a little, it's a little fishy. Mm-hmm. So oh, the men- man. <clears throat> the men fled the scene once they had set fire to the home they fled in the Pettit's family car but didn't make it very far before being caught by the surveillance uh, put into place by the cops they were pursued and consequently crashed into a police vehicle so I think they set up like a blockade okay. with the vehicles and they yeah. just tried to go through and it didn't work this entire home invasion took place over a seven-hour time span. So they took their time with it. While being interrogated, both men smelled of gasoline the entire time. Once they turned on each other and blamed the other for the course of the events. If the police had enough time to set up a blockade for them after they left the bank, you think that some of the cops would have also tried to go into the home to rescue them like the poor mom and sisters everything that they endured meaning or meanwhile the cops were sitting up down the block like come on i think they were waiting to hear like a gunshot or something happening Uh, mm, i don't know they should have gone after them they should have i mean i understand the blockade but Mm -hmm. i also would expect that the cops would also go into the home and try like i mean there's a lot of freaking cops it's not like it's like swat or something because they knew what was going on they knew a home invasion and especially when it's when it's only two guys that are out doing this stuff versus all the cops you would Mm. think yeah that sounds fishy so excuse me the wife jennifer pettit worked at cheshire academy at the time as a nurse and co-director of the health center. Haley Pettit, the older sister, had high school where she played multiple sports and was an honor roll student. Haley was supposed to start school in the fall at Dartmouth College to study medicine. She was a smart cookie. Yeah. Michaela, the younger sister, was attending school before the murders and loved to cook for her family as she had done the night before the events. Oh. The father, William Pettit, was the only survivor of the entire incident. He was an endocrinologist, and Dr. Pettit has not returned to work, but instead is working at a foundation, started in honor of the girls, and is very active in politics. Which, that would not be my first choice if my whole family was murdered. I would not go into politics. Yeah, that was really weird. Kind of out there. You. You had to be crooked before that to go into politics after mm-hmm. that happens. Yeah. I I couldn't understand that, but 
Did he That's have some type did. of involvement with all of this? No. Really? It sounds like he did, but he didn't. Yeah, there's a lot of fishy things going on there. It just happened to work out that way. I wonder if he has a guilty con- I can't say that word. Con- conscience? Conscience. Yeah. I, I sure as heck would. I'm like, it's like any mom. Like, their first instinct is to, well, I shouldn't say any mom. Most moms. Their first go-to is protect my kids, like, set my kids free, whatever. Not right, even if it meant leave that the I house. was the one to die. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. Okay. It is very weird. And your wife is up there being raped and you can hear it. You can it. hear it. Oh, uh, and no you still way. chose to go to the neighbor's house. It just And it's it just crazy that all of a sudden he was, okay, it's now or never. You're just now thinking that? Like you didn't right. think that the entire time prior? Oh my gosh. Nope. Um, so a little bit of background on the murderers. Hayes was in and out of prison since the age of 16 on various different charges. His first arrest was at 16 years old in 1980. And he's been arrested almost 30 times between then and the time of the home invasion. Oh my gosh. Yep. Joshua. You're going to get holy cow. Exactly. If you've committed that many and you're still out, there's something wrong with the justice system. And he, the dad, went into politics? Yep. Oh, my God. Yeah. So Joshua was born to a 16-year-old mother and then later adopted by his father, Benedict. During the trial, his sister accused him of sexually assaulting her when they were younger, and the father said to which... This is probably true. I mean, who just says, yeah, my adopted son probably raped my biological daughter. What? What the hell? What? And you're just like, casually, yeah, that probably happened. I'm sorry. He would no longer be my son if that was the issue. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, That's pretty fouled up. I mean, to be adopted into a family and then for you to hurt them like that. Exactly. Do you realize what kind of messed up life you could have had? And they're trying to save you from that. Oh, he still had a messed up life in that situation. He still had a messed up life. So Joshua has been in and out of prison since the age of 24 on 18 home invasion charges. He was able to recall every invasion perfectly. Yeah. Did he have any remorse for what he had done? None. When he would finish, he would go into the sleeping occupants' rooms and listen to them breathe. Creepy. Um, yeah. I mean, I like listening to my kids breathe, but I think that's a mom thing. That's a little different. <laughs> that's more like, oh my God, you're still breathing, right? You're okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. I could end you right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Creepy. Mm-hmm. So the trial for Hayes began September 13th, 2010 where he had a jury of seven women and five men. The jury deliberated for five hours. What do you think his sentence was? Well, considering he's been convicted of 18 home invasions? He was 16. 16? Um, mm-hmm. And he still gets to keep out... Um, I'd probably say like 30 to 50 years. 
At this point, it should be life, though. It should have been life like a long time ago. <laughs> okay, so after the trial completed, the jury deliberated for five hours on October 5th and came back with a guilty verdict on 16 out of 17 counts. For this for the sentencing, the jury had a hard time choosing between life in prison or the death penalty. Oh, yeah. Finally, on November 8, 2010, they came back with a sentencing recommendation for execution. Woohoo! The jurors were offered post-traumatic stress assistance because they were forced to look at the gruesome evidence for almost two months. And this is the first time in his- in the history of the state of Connecticut that this has ever been done. Wow. Because it was so bad. Yeah. The judge's final ruling was for six death sentences and one for capital charges. Nice. The judge then added another 106 years to his sentence for crimes committed during the home invasion. I mean, that's all great, but... I mean, if you're already planning on executing him, what's the point of these extra sent? Like, you just want to off with him. Great. Done. Do it. <laughs> I think they were trying to put a point across more so. Yeah. Than anything else. But I mean, at so, least he's actually getting charged with that, not just, well, we're going to give you some time off for good behavior or this is the maximum that you could face. Like, that's probably what drives me the absolute most batshit crazy is when you see on any type of news media that whoever it is is facing this maximum penalty when you know damn right they're going to get like a slap on the wrist and be done with it. Yeah, there's not going to be anything that really happens. Penalty is because we all know that the maximum is not going to happen. Yeah, They're, they're way too soft for it. Yeah. So Hayes remains in prison but claims to be transgender. Oh, Okay. Um, Hayes' sentence became a a life-in-prison sentence in August of 2015 when the death sentence was abolished in that state. A freaking figure. So, as of October 19th, he's undergoing hormone therapy to transition to be a woman while in prison. We can do that? In prison? um, We pay for that? Question mark? Excuse me. I'm going to look into that because I'm really curious. I wouldn't think that we as taxpayers would be paying for someone's transition because that's a lot of money. Yeah. I don't even want to pay us for his freaking food and we're paying for that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So Who approved that? That's just, he said he was undergoing hormone therapy. There hasn't been any proof of it that I could find yet. But that takes a really long time for that to take effect. Not to mention, yeah. what if he does fully transition? Does then he go to a women's state prison? Then since he was a male prior, will he have to get new sentencing under his new persona? I shouldn't say persona, but under his new gender, gender identity. Yeah, oh I wouldn't think so because he's still the same blob of DNA that he was before. Yeah, I like that blob of DNA. <laughs> <laughs> you know, now there's going to be some movement for that. Jesus. Yeah. 
So Joshua's trial began September 20th, 2011. What do you think he got sentenced? Hopefully life as well. Okay. I mean, I would, since the death penalty is no longer a thing. Well, it was when the sentencing happened. After the fact was when it was abolished. And they did try to go back and say, well, because he was sentenced with this before it was abolished, we should still be able to do it. Oh, but I would agree with that. The state was one. not on board with that. The state said no. Even with all of the stupid stuff that they did, all of the horrible things. Yeah. That's awful. They wouldn't allow him to do it regardless. So all of the people that were on death row just got life sentences. So they continue to live. And still, the dad went into politics. My gosh. Yep. Yep. So Joshua was found guilty on 17 out of 17 charges on October 13th. He was sentenced to death by on December 9th, 2011. Um, And as the same with Hayes, because the death penalty was abolished in August 2015, his death sentence has turned over to a life in prison sentence. On August 16th, both men were transferred to facilities in Pennsylvania to serve their sentences. On August 18th, two days later, after the transfer was complete, Joshua attempted to die by suicide, but was unsuccessful. Did he have any brain trauma? No, not that I saw. So he wasn't very good at it. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was not the right thing to say. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, currently, Hayes is in prison at the State Correctional Institution, a supermax prison in Greene County, Pennsylvania. And Joshua is currently incarcerated at State Correctional Institution, Phoenix, in Montgomery County, in Pennsylvania. And that's it. So, at one point, they were in the same facility together? At one point, they were, yes. But not for very long. They transferred. Uh, I I don't understand why they would... I mean, at the county jail until they figure out what they're going to do. I could kind of understand that. But once they're sentenced, why would you put them in the same facility? They might not have had the funds to transfer them at the time. Mm. But they sure had the funds you... to help with the transition. Yeah. <laughs> I can't let go of that one. That's, that's ridiculous. Yeah. I don't know where that makes sense. But apparently mm-hmm. to someone in that realm of working that makes sense i understand you have your some rights Mm -hmm. like human rights but to use taxpayer money to transition someone in jail after they've committed all of these murders and home invasions and it doesn't make sense yeah like how can how can you look at someone and say yeah, let me approve this. I'll sign off on this. Yeah, there's no way to justify no way. that. Like, I just, I, it baffles me. It baffles me. Also, what did they have the same judge for all of these crimes that they had since they had both? One of them had been arrested m- multiple times since ages 16, and the other one since they were 24. And they were still released every time. Like, what kind of judge looks at all this and is like, yeah, 
couple of years would do you good. And then he's out and does it again. Like at some point, you have to have thought that they'd come back into the courtroom with the same judge as prior. And did the judge not say like, what the hell are you thinking? They might have not had enough to put them in prison for a long time. Like just a couple of years was like the max that they could do. Like a breaking and entering. Yeah. That might have been all that they could do. But I mean, 16 and 18, that should put you away for life. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Even if it's just like five per. But I mean, at some point, you think life now. At some point, you were thinking that the judge would be like, you know what? I understand that you're only facing that you're in my courtroom right now because of one thing. But the fact that it's been repetitive and you've done this over and over and over and over and over again, like you think that there's something that they could do to just put them away instead of wait till it gets, you know, this bad. This bad, yeah. Like, why do you need to wait for it? You to would get think, this bad? since it was so many multiple repeat offenses, mm-hmm. that that alone would be like, okay, you clearly can't handle how you should act or what you yeah. should do. So we're going to put you away because you don't understand what you should or shouldn't be doing. Yeah. I understand that what you're doing is wrong and illegal. They could have, I mean, honestly, they could have prevented this when these kids were, or these guys were in their teens when they started Mm -hmm. doing all this stuff. It doesn't make sense why you would put them in for a couple months, take them out, or a couple years mm-hmm. and take them out. They're clearly not able to be rehabilitated. And the fact that the dad still went into politics, like... It's what? really weird. It's really weird. Oh my gosh. Which, I don't want to pass judgment or say that maybe this was part of his gateway to politics Mm -hmm. but if someone came out or he came out and said yeah I had my family killed so that I could build this platform and organizations to give myself a one-up to that I wouldn't be surprised I really wouldn't yeah same because it's super skeevy yeah a lot of red flags there for sure I'd be a little hesitant to marry him if he ever tries to remarry. So far he hasn't tried to remarry. But I. Personally I. Wouldn't marry someone in politics anyway. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. they're all crooked. Let's yeah. put it this way. We were looking at houses to move down here. Mm-hmm. There was one on Clinton Street. And my husband wouldn't even go inside to look at it. Because <laughs> it was on Clinton Street. When we were. Um, signing the lease paper for our apartment the this is just kind of a little off base but our apartment number is like 664 I think and as she was telling me this number I'm like if you say 666 I'm out I won't do it and I was going just that seriously I'm like you'd be okay having two kids in a house or or apartment that the apartment address is 666 you seriously no no absolutely I think you thought it was just batshit crazy but I'm I'm not risking that I'm not that's too superstitious She's like, yeah, I understand that. I'm like, do you? Because if you ever have that, like, if I ever had an apartment complex or the control to number anything, I'd go 664, 665, 667. 
Yeah, there wouldn't nope. be a 666. Nope, do not associate that with Or you make it like a maintenance room. closet or something. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to subject someone to live there. Because you would probably never be at full capacity. People would be like, yeah. hello, I don't want to be I mean, you know, by you Satan or something. That are like, oh, yeah, like, let me risk something. Like, let me just, let me see what it's about. Mm-mm, I could not do it. No, that would scare me even more because what kind of person wants to live somewhere that attracts mm-hmm. that much bad energy just by the number? Yeah. No, thank you. No. I can feel uh, my, my heart stopping as she's going six, six. What's the number? <laughs> um, now, uh, do you have any <laughs> other complexes? Because that's not going to work for me. Like, just put me back on your waitlist, please. <laughs> yeah. We'll, uh, we'll rent a trailer or something until then. Oh, man. Uh, well, I'm glad that they are both going to be there forever. Me too. Mm, idiots. Okay. Well, mine is about a gentleman with a nickname, El Mo- Mocha Orejas, which translates to the ear chopper. Ew. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's literally... The ear chopper. Like, that's that's the story. His name is Daniel Arismendi Lopez. He was born in July of 1958, and he was notorious. He was a notorious Mexican kidnapper. He was the one in charge of the kidnapping ring. Um, he served as a police officer in Morelos, Mexico from 96 to 98. And he admitted to kidnapping at least 18 people but not on his own. He definitely had some help. And I'm pretty sure most of those 18 people that he kidnapped was while he was a cop. Like that's when he was doing all of this. He was a cop. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. He uh, did most of his crimes while he was a cop, but he was only a cop for two years. So he must've gotten a rush from it and decided that that was better than being a cop. You know, the more stories I listen to from Mexico from you, the more I believe that the cops are crooked or they just don't actually help the public. Like mm-hmm. I lose faith a little bit more every time you tell me a story. <laughs> yeah. I remember when I went to Mexico with my family when I was 12, maybe 12, 14, I don't know, somewhere in there. <clears throat> but I remember we got pulled over. Granted, we had a car. We were in Mexico driving a car from the U.S. That's already a huge red flag. I mean, they know that you got money. Even if you don't have any money, if you're coming from the U.S. in a nice car. Like, I remember my stepdad did, like, he seriously requested to have a rental that was not a new car. Like, he wanted an older car for the rental when we drove down there. Anyway, so he got pulled over, and they asked him to get out of the car. They didn't even, like, ask him for identification or anything. They just asked him to get out because they saw that he had a family in there. And I remember looking back and watching him just pull money out of his pocket and paid him and then got back in and we drove off. So I remember my yeah. mom and my sisters were like, what just happened? Like, what's going on? What, we didn't do anything wrong. And they literally just wanted some money. That's okay. Yeah. That's... So then when Jesse and I went down to Mexico, granted, we only went, I think, maybe an hour and a half south of the border. Um, and it was in a very touristy area. I remember I told Jesse, I was like, don't carry any big any big bills on you because if, if you get pulled over, all they are going to want is money. And 
thankfully we didn't ever get pulled over but oh man every time I went by a cop I was like okay I'm just waiting especially being Hispanic with my white husband I'm like oh this is just gonna be great and we, we never had any problems but I was definitely preparing with, like all these flashbacks from watching my dad get pulled over and mm. my son's just like very used to it and he was just like all right and like he was fully prepared and it was it was ridiculous but it was it definitely is something that sticks with you forever even though nothing awful happened the fact that they just pulled you over just because they want money if you try and do that here they'd arrest you so freaking fast <laughs> right and i'm not saying that there's no crooked cops here either but i mean at, at least they're a little more it's not as socially no, acceptable so here yeah, yeah as it is down there um, okay so <laughs> so you had confessed to at least kidnapping at least 80 or 18 people i was and, like whoa that number just jumped up no 18 people <laughs> and i think some article said that um there was anywhere between 18 and like 200 people but he admitted to only doing the 18 people um but he wasn't the only one involved so maybe that's where they mean 18 to 200 because of all of them together Started with it yeah um but i mean so kidnapping and, and really anything with kidnapping and murders, especially against females, like that, those crimes in Mexico, like over the last few years, have just freaking skyrocketed. So I think when they come up with these cases, I think people are just starting to be like, oh, well, let's just pin it on him just so that way they can kind of close the case. I mean, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So that wouldn't surprise me at all. But it definitely sucks because, I mean, you can pin it on him, but there's still a lot that are happening. Even if and what if it him wasn't out. him? Then you you still need to be looking for somebody, and yeah. you're not looking because you just said, "Oh, it was him. It's fine." Yeah, and you'd have to think that their family, like the victims' families, probably aren't feeling much closure when you know crime like that is still happening around you. Right. Since you don't feel so any high. ease after them. Yeah. Um, but okay, so a lot of articles also say that his brother Aurelio was also um, in charge of these kidnapping rings with him, but. There was also a lot of officers that assisted him when he was a cop. So it was a group thing. But even after he left, you know, being a police officer, he, he was still continuing on. Um, I know for sure that he had nine other members <clears throat> in his gang. I'm not going to say their full names, but there was Josue, Eric, Francisco, Guillermo, Crescencio, Juan, Jose, and another Francisco. Um, and some of them face anywhere from 7 to 25, 40, or 50 years. And they all had over $30,000 in fines that they had to pay. But I didn't see if every single one of these was still in jail or anything like that. But I know for sure that they were convicted. Um, I read a lot of articles that stated that at some point, um, Daniel was arrested. He even gave an interview. And I have that in, in my notes here. Um, but he, I couldn't find anything on how he was recruiting people like to kidnap them. Like, um, a lot of the articles talked about that the number one way to kidnap people in Mexico is usually done by like taxi drivers, mm. giving them a ride, but I couldn't find how he was, or I mean like cops too, you know, that they would say that they're going to arrest you and take you into the precinct and then you never made it. That's like the um, indigenous people in the Ozarks that kept getting mm -hmm. kidnapped and then they would take them out 
they would be drunk and they'd say, okay, we're yep. going to take you down to the drunk tank to sober up. Yep. But then they wouldn't actually take them down there. They would kick them out on some no-name highway and yep. they would freeze to death. Yep, exactly. And so I couldn't find anything on how he was kidnapping them or why he had found that particular person to kidnap. I don't know if he was like watching them, but I know he was definitely doing it for money. Um, he accumulated anywhere from 40 million to 80 million for all of those ransom payments. And so these ransom payments, he kidnapped someone and he would use poultry scissors to remove their ears. And then he would send the victim's families their ears and say, here's part of him. <clears throat> if you want him alive, like I need some money. And I mean, he was obviously doing doing something right because he was getting large amounts of money but i mean it's all still real felt you know messed up um did he actually give the people sometimes sometimes he did um Were sometimes awake when he cut their ears off i could not find anything if he if they were or not i would assume they were i mean how do you really oh. hostage like that but there's some articles where sometimes he would murder them Usually he would just wait for a bunch of money and then he'd release them. Um, there was a couple of times where he raped a couple of female hostages, but he confessed to killing four people. One of his victims' names, which is like one of the only victims that I could find, his name was Raul Navarricano, um, and that was in May of 1997. So he was arrested for that one, but I couldn't find anything about which prison facility he was at or what he was actually charged with or how long he was sentenced for because all the other articles that I was reading said that um, police tried to kind of set up a trap for him and like bombard his house. They arrested like his wife, son, daughter, daughter-in-law, and then even like see some of his money that he had received in all of these ransom payments. But somehow like, so they think that the cops tipped him and his men off somehow because he was able to escape out the back door. So I'm not quite sure, like the articles all kind of contradict each other. So one article said that he was arrested in 98, but then all the other ones say that he escaped at the, like the back of their house. So I don't really know. Weird. Um, on one of those cases where he sent the family member, um, the victim's ears, the victim had already been dead. So he used makeup to make the ear look like it was still fresh and alive. Type. Ew. So now he's yeah. playing like a mortician and dressing and them he up. Had, he had absolutely no remorse. Like in that interview, and I, I hope that you guys actually watched the video. I watched it like three or four times to see his facial expressions. I just, I was so shocked. He repeatedly said, that the only part that he was sad or felt bad about was his family, that he might not ever be able to see him again. And this is in the interview. So I'm confused how they were able to get this interview from him when he was under arrest. But like, I couldn't find anything about if he was still in jail or what jail he went to or anything like that. Because there was even mm -hmm. one article that said that he was, that um, when they invaded his home, they found a little statue of La Santa Muerte that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And they allowed him to take that with him to jail. So at some point he went to jail. So I'm not sure if maybe he escaped jail as mm. well. But he said he doesn't feel bad um, about any of the kidnappings that he actually felt kind of a rush from it. 
So he enjoyed being able to keep people hostage and get some money. He said he, he wasn't even excited about money anymore. Like he just enjoyed kidnapping, occasionally cutting their ears off and sending them to the victim's families and seeing them run off. Like once he did release the victim and like, I mean, at one point he was like even teary eyed when they were asking him. So you, you only feel bad about your family. And like repeatedly he'd say yes. And then towards the end, he'd start to get emotional. Like, like he felt bad about leaving them in that situation and <clears throat> that he might not ever be able to see, see them again and all that. Like he felt no remorse for any of the crimes that he did. Well, if they tipped him off so that he could get off the back door, I could see them saying, here's the key. I'm going to go get lunch. Be back mm-hmm. later. You better be there. I mean, at this point, it doesn't surprise us, right? With how corrupt the cops right. are. Yeah. But, and then also he was doing all of this stuff when he was a cop as well. So. So it doesn't make you feel any better that if you no. actually needed help, you would get help down there. Yeah. Not at all. Um, but there's actually a movie. So I was very confused on this part. I'm still not 100% sure on it. But the 2004 film called Man on Fire. There mm-hmm. is a couple actors in that movie that are portraying Daniel, the, this main guy, and his brother Aurelio. So there, there's a movie based on one of the kidnappings that he did. But on the movie, they kidnapped somebody famous. When I was reading all of these articles on the kidnappings that they did, they never kidnapped anyone that was famous. But they were just kind of like the basis of it was about that. Um, I think that was it. He, it was just really crazy to see that little interview that he did and he just kept repeating that if he was born again he would do it all over again like he did not feel bad about it that's messed up and the fact that he wasn't even like most people commit these kinds of crimes wanting more money just because they want the money but he just did it because it was a nice rush so like how do you have how do you feel that bad to leave your family and in that type of a situation but you don't feel bad to kidnap all these people like you get a rush from that like what if somebody did this to your family right the tables would be turned and then you would feel really bad I'm sure yeah you'd think so but I mean he was I mean they arrested I shouldn't say arrested I mean they kind of invaded the house and took the mom like his wife son daughter and daughter-in-law I believe it was in order for him to turn himself in and then he said that if it wouldn't have been for his family I wouldn't have done it but I like, I couldn't find anything on his family either. Like, it was just these articles where I can't find, like, an actual, like, how did you kidnap these individual people? And, like, mm-hmm. are you still in jail? And how is your life in jail going? Like, when I can't find any of that stuff, it really makes me uncomfortable. Because how do you decide to only release half of the information to the people? They must not have the same rules and regulations down there that they do up here. Yeah. They right? must not have to release it after it's made. But I read like a story for like a whole completely different person that said that some news media had gotten in trouble for releasing photos of like gruesome photos of the scene, like in their paper and all over mm. like TV and stuff. So how does it go from that to this? Where it's in the, I can't find Everything anything. to nothing. Yeah. Like, it's just so weird. Like I even like on my internet, I even tried like pulling up like, you know, one of those um, secret mode pages to see yeah. if I could find anything else. And I still couldn't find anything. Like, how is there so much information up until this point and then nothing after that? Like, people want to know if he's still in jail. I want to know. Yeah, it's really weird. Um, but, I mean, and he was completely fine admitting it. 
Like, yeah, I kidnapped at least 18 people and I've murdered four. And yeah, I chopped their ears. Like, just so, man, like he just didn't care. How psychotic do you have to be to not care? But it's funny that they turned the tables on him and kidnapped his family to get him mm-hmm. to come in. Yeah. So yeah, he did kind of, I guess we did kind of get to see how he would feel because he yeah. had to turn in his life in order to get his family back but we don't know if he's still in there or not yep exactly so that doesn't really help and uh, it's just it's so weird how like the cops were involved so like there were good cops because at one point his like he was arrested at one point they were able to interview him so it's probably very few and far between yeah it's so weird yeah that's so weird but when he went to jail, when they let him take that, um, the Santa Muerte with him, mm-hmm. <clears throat> apparently that like outraged a lot of people in the area because they were like, how are you taking him to jail and you're allowing him to take his own little gods and saints in with him? Like he's his going to jail. Sessions, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, that's a good point. I guess I didn't really think about that, especially considering all of the heinous crimes he's committed and you're still going to allow him to take the God or the saint that he's worshiping in with him. And it's literally called some people don't even get shoes. Yeah, they just take them how they are. Doesn't matter if you're in your skivvies. So now we have people in Mexico that get to take in their saints, and then people in Connecticut that get to take in and be uh, their gender. Yeah. (laughs) What a corrupt world here. Yeah. Especially if we're paying for this stuff. I mean, obviously we're not in Mexico, but here. Yeah, that's our taxpayer dollars because you I mean, obviously, he's not working in jail. Yeah, to make I enough mean, money and like. That's like hundreds of thousands of dollars to make that transition, yeah. especially if they let him do like gender reassignment surgery, which I think you can only go so far with being transgender until you either just stay at that point and you're at a threshold or mm-hmm you completely switch over that's that's weird yes too crazy too crazy but that's episode six yay i'm excited to get to double digits if you guys have any recommendations for episodes let us know my friend danielle down here had another recommendation for me to do but it's going to be a long one, so it might be in a couple weeks. Um, it was the Toy Box Killer. Ooh. So I'm going to look into that one. And I am nice. going to do it. But What state is that one from? Um, I think she said Arizona. And, like, he traveled. So it wasn't just oh, one cool. state. Nice. Um, let's see. His name was David Parker. It was New Mexico and Arizona. Wow. There okay. Nice. So that'll probably be a two-parter based on what she was telling me about it. I haven't heard about it, but it sounds interesting and kind of creepy being the toy box killer. (laughs) Yeah, that'll be a good one to hear. So make sure you guys subscribe, guys. We need more subscribers. Subscribers still waiting on our first rating and review. Oh my goodness, you guys! Come on. 
it was nice though this week i think like yesterday maybe we hit 100 likes on facebook so thank you everyone for that we're at like 120 now this morning keep it coming guys keep sharing our stuff yes we appreciate it so much 130 31 oh gosh let's keep it up so you guys are amazing we appreciate it so much and it helps us get the word out about our podcast because it's we put in a lot of work to this podcast to get it to you guys every week that we so the more people that listen and subscribe it really helps us out gives us more motivation to keep going yeah at some point we obviously love to do this as our full-time job so keep sharing guys we we appreciate help it. us get there <laughs> sooner rather than later it's like right. <laughs> everyone's trained to oh you have your own podcast and you don't do anything else for work and you do it from the beach with your kids what <laughs> right <laughs> That would Except be the goal. Friend? Mm-hmm. That's the <laughs> dream, let me tell you. We'll get there. We will get there someday. But your your subscriptions and your ratings and your reviews will help us get there. Yes. Please step it up, guys. If you have a significant other, just, you know, go subscribe them. They don't have to listen. Put it on their phone. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. <laughs> If you need help, let us know. <laughs> right. We're here. We will help you. Walk you through the steps. <laughs> awesome. Well, see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.